Hello, guys, and welcome to the Invent With Me podcast, where each week we guide aspiring inventors and product creators to turn their innovative ideas into reality. Get ready to learn valuable tips, insights, and success stories from a couple guys roughing it in the field of inventing so that you can make your mark on the world. And believe me, if we could do it, so can you. We're your hosts. My name is Grant, inventor of Torque Strap, a revolutionary spring-loaded cargo strap that's so easy to use, you just pull. And I am Marcus. I invented quick tie-down anchors, which is a very simple anchoring solution for docks, decks, trailers, and more. And it uses the gap between the boards. Excellent. Yep. So uh, so what do you say, Marcus? Should we give them the insider info? We absolutely should tell them everything we know. I agree, because they're going to find out it's not the ideas that are worth a damn, it's the actions. All right, let's get right into it, Marcus. So episode two, yep. to license or to sell. This is, I think, when it comes to inventing, so many people hear, oh, you should license your product, you should license your idea, you should do that. And then there's a whole nother mindset that you actually run a business by yourself or you go into selling it yourself or whatever that may be. And I had that same issue, or I don't say issue, that same dilemma when I got into it and people are like, oh, are you going to, are you going to do it? And I'm like, I have no idea. I need to, I need to see what it is. And I started to talk to people and the, the first thing that came was, well, like, do you want to have command over your product? Do you want to be able to do all the different things with it? Or do you want to give it to somebody and then make a really tiny little piece of nothing uh, on nothing? So, right. I mean, look, we'd all love to kick back and collect a royalty, yeah. right? But is that realistic? That's kind of the theme of the show today because, um, you know, I, I, I love people's uh, assumed idea of the post-it note story. Mm-hmm. Uh, people assume that some guy had an idea uh, for a note that you stick to your computer monitor. He called a buddy at 3M. The guy at 3M said, you're a genius. And now he cuts a $500,000 check every six months. Mm. And I wish it was that easy. That guy... I can't recall the exact story, but it took him at least seven years to develop that product. Yeah. And he worked at 3M. That's when he discovered it. So to think that you have thought of an idea and someone's going to pat you on the back and start signing checks, it's um, not very realistic, is it, Marcus? It's it's not at all realistic. And the, the other scenario to that is I think one thing that people have to be very realistic about is thinking that you're going to walk into licensing, like I've got this great idea or, or I even have this prototype or product and I'm going to get it licensed. And, you, you know, they start talking to these people and negotiating and they realize they're going to get pennies, like, you know, 50 cents per every sale or 10 cents per every sale or whatever it is. And you're like, what? That's my idea. And, uh, you know, the truth is the person who's going to be licensing that product and and, and manufacturing it and distributing it and marketing it they're taking all of the risk and, and putting in all that upfront money. You're really doing nothing. You had a good idea, enough to to sell somebody on it, but overall, you've got really nothing in the scheme. You've got no skin in the game. That's going to be a reoccurring theme yeah. throughout this season and the rest. Uh, the ideas are only worth so much, sure. right? And yeah, you're right. Uh, so much in this case means a very small fraction. You know. In my experience, correct me if I'm wrong, a fair royalty for a pretty good idea is anywhere from four to seven, four to nine percent. Something like that. That's yeah. right. Yeah. That's been my understanding. 
And there's a whole other host of issues. You, you may be saying, okay, if I'm just taking 4% of a $20 million product, I'm happy. But there's a whole other slew of hangups that could come with mm-hmm. that uh, from, you know, funds being misappropriated to um, sleazy accounting, sure. underreporting sales. You don't get a seat behind the desk at this company right. where you're crunching the numbers. Yeah. You sit on the couch and you hope that things work out. You get you get a little check and and if it's $10, you don't know if it should be $15 or whatever it may be. Like you just, yeah. it, it, it's a good point. You don't know who you're dealing with and that's a whole nother run of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So inventing versus, versus selling, uh, that's really the theme of this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll f- probably find, I'll just spoiler alert, Marcus and I are, are fans of owning your product mm-hmm. and selling your product for a lot of different reasons. So I want to tell you uh, why I think it's so hard to get a good rate. And you, people in general, especially investors, they're very skeptical by nature. Mm-hmm. So if I come to you with an idea, y- your your first reaction is skepticism. And, you know, good for you because that's why you have the money you have mm-hmm. as an investor. Okay, so uh, uh, kind of springing this on you, Marcus, yep. but I want to do a little role play uh uh, me pitching you an idea. You're a money man. You have the manufacturing capabilities, distribution. You even have the administrative staff to carry out all the tasks. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to come to you. I have a pretty much a napkin drawing of my double-ended toothbrush. Okay. And I've been really passionate about this toothbrush for almost a whole week now, which is a lot of commitment for me. And I just think if the right guy hears it, he'll cut me a deal. Mm-hmm. So... Marcus, I got this idea for this double-ended toothbrush. It's it's like playing a game of chicken for your dental hygiene, okay? So imagine you and your buddy, you get together, you're having a great time at the bar, you're eating wings, but you got a lot of stuff stuck in your teeth. Now, instead of waiting for one bro to finish using the toothbrush, you guys can use it at the same time. Okay. This would be super easy to manufacture and... I don't like know what you do, like what your job is, but I know that like you have invented stuff and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, could you do it? And how much can you pay me? Okay, so I I would start with, so do do you have a prototype of this and have you tested it? Uh, Like I've gone over it in my head like a hundred different times and I, it's a home run. Okay. And uh, uh, I'm assuming you obviously don't have a patent on it because you, you, said you've just going over it in your head and you don't even have drawings of it. Well, I'm like a big picture guy, right? So uh, I'm taking a step back, you know, and I'm, you know, getting rid of the smoke and mirrors. And I'm telling you with confidence, this is a banger. How much? How much are we talking? Yeah. So uh, there's so many other things that weigh in on that before we even talk how much you're going to make or how much we need to know how it needs to be manufactured. We need to know you know, what's the, the cost to get it manufactured versus the the cost in hand to, to get it shipped here and, and ready to go. We need to talk about marketing costs. We need to talk about, you know, who's your marketed audience? Who's going to use this double-ended brush? There, there are, like, there, there's zero chance that you walk into any scenario like this and somebody just snaps up and is like, I love your idea. We're ready to market it and, and manufacture it and let, let's go. Okay, you help me get the patent and then we'll sell the patent to like the military or whatever. And then we'll both get rich. So here's the deal. If, if I'm doing 
98% of the work, then we're going to take 98% of the profits. It, I, I get that you have an idea, but your idea is nothing until you can actually bring it to fruition. Right. Uh, so, you know, if you don't have any skin in the game, I know you have an idea and the double-ended toothbrush, we'll, we'll look more into that. I, I don't know yet if that, if anybody would ever use this double-ended bro toothbrush. For sure. We need to do market research first. We need to make a prototype and see if it is done. And are you going to, are you, do you have money to put towards that prototype? My grandma's about to croak. I'm good for 4K. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, first of all, I'm sorry about your grandmother. It's tight. No, it's cool. It's good. And uh, <laughs> um, yeah, okay. I mean, 4,000 is a decent amount to put toward. I think we can make a prototype for a lot less than that. But you just, you know, if that's all you've got to put forth in this project and we we do move forward, that you just have to be really realistic that if we do come to some sort of uh, production-based thing on your product, that, you know, A, your percentage is going to be very small. And B, we have to have a, we have to have a market for it anyway. Like a hundred percent of nothing is nothing, right? Mm-hmm. So we need to see what those kind of numbers hit, and and like we're going to need to recoup our costs first. Mm-hmm. We, we we're not automatically going to just start by splitting fifty. You know, well, it's never going to be fifty fifty, but it's it's not gonna. You're not going to see a percentage until we make sure we get our initial cost back. All right. So you're saying you're ready to invest. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a banger. I like your enthusiasm. I'm saying, you know, I'm open to moving a little more forward on this idea, but we need to flesh out a lot of things before we ever come to the talk of whether we're interested in, you know, actually taking it on and also how much you would get from it. Okay. So let's wrap up that Academy yeah. Award winning role play. <laughs> and I uh, just real quick, give me a breakdown of... You, you go home tonight and you're like, yeah, this guy had this pitch, honey. This is what I wish he would have said and I could have made it work. So what do you wish to hear as a as a developer? Okay, so I, I wish he would have fleshed out the idea a lot more. I wish he came to me with, you know, at least good drawings and, and an idea of what it's going to do properly. I think people have in their head, they're excited about something, but it, that just doesn't, that doesn't offer me much. And you know, even better than that would to come in with either a solid prototype or even a, a first run manufacturer of something where you're like, hey, this is the deal. This is my market. This is, you know, the competition that either exists out there or doesn't exist out there. You know, am I going to have to fight with 20 other exact, you know, toothbrushes or is this a super novel idea and it's going to be one on its own? And then we can start talking about whether this is a legit thing to move forward with. And say it was... uh well, we'll go into the numbers later. So, okay, I love it. That was a great example. Thank you very much. Yeah. I think you offered a lot of clarity right there. And uh, I know the viewers are going to appreciate that as much as I did. Um, so to wrap up that little part, that little first part segment, you know, the reality is it's more challenging than that, right? So I can personally share a, a quick story. Um, when I developed Torque Strap, I was under the impression that uh, once I had some product photos and mm-hmm. sold a few, ah, I'll be honest, I was wondering if this was ever going to take off. And I had sold a few thousand dollars, uh, friends and family type of thing is really slow money. And, you know, the wife's kind of asking, how are things going? And you don't really know how to answer and you're 10, 15, 20 grand in. So I thought I'd license and I hit up every 
major tool, uh, retailer, mm-hmm. um, sub brand, whatever you want to call them. There's hundreds out there. And a lot of them will have a portal on their website mm-hmm. even for, you know, send us your invention idea. And I did that. And I thought, well, most people are just sending drawings. I'm sending a product that's on the market mm-hmm. that people have pulled out their wallets for and is proven. Mm-hmm. So I'm definitely going to get a hit. And I'm telling you, Marcus, out of the two dozen uh, places I hit up, complete crickets. Oh. Absolutely nothing. So that was my experience with licensing. Epic fail. And I'm glad mm-hmm. it was a fail. But, man, that was shocking. So for people to think that I have a napkin idea and I'm going to collect a royalty, it's a little bit out there. It is. And and I want to go back to your little story here. The... Um, when people submit to different places or find legit places will have a portal uh, online and things like that to do it. And part of that is protection for you. And part of that is protection for them as well, because kind of the napkin idea, I think referring back to episode one, one, the, the big question for people is, Oh, should I tell people my idea? If you're telling people who have the ability to manufacture it and get it out there, I'd be a little, a little safer with who I talk to, right? If it's your buddy. Yeah all day long. But in that case, that portal protects like, here's my idea. It's going through this on this stamp date. These are my pictures. This is my idea. It protects you both. So if you are going to be talking to people, either get a proper NDA signed where it's kind of like, Hey, this is my idea. And I'm doing this on this date before we talk or go through their appropriate portals and do it that way. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That makes perfect sense. And generally speaking, it's in companies' best interest to do good business. Sure. Because with today, the power of social media, um, it's okay to flex your muscles and say, look, if, you know, it looks like you guys are hosing me on this, I'm yeah. going to put you on blast. They don't want that. So you, it's never going to come to that, in my yeah. opinion. So, yeah, y- you don't have to be afraid to push licensing. Uh, there's protections in place that Marcus just touched on. Um, but, um, ultimately is it the way to go? Mm. Well, and it's, it it doesn't also, you can always come back to licensing. You can, you can have your own company. It doesn't mean somebody's not going to appear out of that when they see that you're successful and be like, Hey, is it cool if we license this to do this? And then you can make that decision. You have a lot more power leverage, P- uh, leverage. People start coming to you for things. I mean, you're dealing with that now. People are coming out of the woodwork cause they're seeing your, your social media presence and all that. And you're like, Holy moly. I've got distributors. I've got people who want to license my product. I've got, you know, other manufacturers. Like they all come out of the woodwork when you start getting successful. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's go through another scenario and um, we'll do another little role play here. But let's lay out a dream scenario. Mm -hmm. Let's say I'm I'm working a day job and I've been moonlighting as an inventor. Um, In my spare time, I've drawn up semi-professionally an invention concept and the investor just loves it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's a go. Somehow, you know, I I came over all those obstacles in a very short amount of time. Um, They believe, the investor believes it will work in commercial resale and they want to cut you a royalty. Mm -hmm. So Marcus, you've heard my idea. You love it. Mm -hmm. You're chomping at the bit. What percentage are you going to give me? So uh, I'm thinking we're going to be probably around 4% on this. That's ridiculous. What is your next offer? Okay, I'm thinking probably 4%. All right. I got to admit, that's a little disheartening. Yeah. Um, what, what did you expect? Well, it's my idea. It is? 
So uh, heaven forbid I want 25%. Right. So the thing is, you're not putting in 25% of the equity, whether it be sweat equity or, you know, money equity here. So I, I, I think you're unrealistic thinking you're going to get 25% of this. Whatever. You know, I, I got stuff to do later this year trying to go surfing in Maui. <laughs> so 4%, fine. Let's call it five and we'll be cool. We cool with five? Uh, we can... We can, if if you're willing to put a little bit of upfront cash to get the the stuff jump started, then we can talk five percent. Yeah, grandma's in hospice. We went over this. Okay, so we've agreed on a number. Um, how are you gonna like track my cut? Well, we you know we have total sales. We obviously track all our sales, and we know what that is, and we'll cut you a check for five percent of that. Is your accountant currently under federal indictment investigations? <laughs> they are not. We, you know, we've been in business for 22 years. We have um, 14 clients and we are a $100 million company. Okay. Well, you're offering me 4%. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I don't know anybody else with money like you. Uh, I don't know if anybody else is going to hear me out even as you have. So... Yeah, I'm just going to put blind faith that your accountant isn't a sleaze bag and that you're an okay guy. And uh, I guess we'll go ahead and go forward with the deal. I hope that to, to, to get out of character because sure. I know we're so deep. <laughs> I hope that brought some clarity Thespians. Yeah, to our viewers <laughs> as to what those conversations could go like. Now we're in some cases exaggerating for the sake of speed, but generally speaking, that's the gist it of, is. of the principles of licensing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not a, it's not a glamorous thing. It's not easy negotiating. You're not going to, I mean, unless you're a power negotiator, you're not going in there and thinking you're going to be like, Oh, I've got the idea. It's 50, 50. It just, it's not going to be that way. And you have to be realistic that that's unfair anyway. Like if truly that company is putting in that much of the the risk, then they receive that much of the reward, right? Mm-hmm. That's it. I mean, at the end of the day, you're doing nothing. You have an idea and then you're doing nothing after that. Right. Yeah. And then real quick, I want to touch on, because this was something I was confused about in the beginning, uh, rather than going to like a Black & Decker to make the tool uh, or the invention, excuse me. Mm-hmm. What about just going straight to like do it best hardware and seeing if they want it? Did Do, do, do stores generally just want invention ideas uh it doesn't work that way i mean it just at least it hasn't in my i i've never had that you know and i've never heard of that right um there's a whole long channel to get into stores as well and and i'm sure you've dealt with this even with a successful product even the fact that you're manufactured and you've got something that can hang on their walls tomorrow there is so much other stuff you know do you have competing products maybe they have a competitor and it's got a non compete clause where they just can't even take straps products or you know whatever we're going to use your product um so going in into a store thinking you're going to obviously sell them your that's a whole nother hard sell and not to say retail isn't the thing but what's funny is I know three other successful inventors and everybody's slowly pulling from retail because it's such a negotiation like nightmare. You know, this this company wants this amount. This company wants this amount. This company, now you're going to have to, you, you know, you're going to have to ship to every one of them. They, they require you to have this much. Then they want this much space and you're going to have to do a special, a special packaging just for their thing. And they're only going to give you bottom shelf. You know, there's, there's all sorts of other stuff to consider. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yes, that is the going trend in my my experience as well. It, with uh, online reach, it's the low hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. And why are you going to play the corporate games if you can play? You know, the buzzword of the this decade is passive income, it and is. that's that's the game a lot of people want to play. And it'll probably start that way for a lot of people. And if you have a really good product, it'll turn into a full-time job. It and is. then you'll be playing the corporate games within four or five years. Yeah. Uh, so, hey, enjoy it while it's small, right? But, but that brings back real, yeah, it brings it back. It's like, that's why you end up going through all these mindsets and then ending up with the, oh, I'm going to do it myself. And it's, I forgot to mention, like if you go into, you know, let's say you're going into a Home Depot or somewhere like that with your straps, you're not going to roll in there and get, you know, the full price. They're going to want probably less than what you're thinking wholesale price is, which doesn't mean like the difference is somebody like a Home Depot might order half a million of your straps. So a smaller percentage of half a million is far better than not getting anywhere. On the flip side, if you get your media presence going and you start selling on your website or you set whatever it is, you retain double that or more. It takes half the amount to make that same money it really puts into perspective now how you know how much are you willing to fight to get into these random places. Okay. So let's go back to the scenario of uh, double-ended toothbrush bro. Okay. Uh, so as double-ended toothbrush bro, what, what if I decide, screw that. I'm going to sell my double-ended toothbrush. I don't care what it takes or how hard mm-hmm. I have to push. I'm going to sell this SOB. Okay. So Briefly describe the scenario of getting 300 units made, uh, building a website, and potentially getting 300 friends or followers to to buy your product as an initial run. Yeah, so that's a lot harder than you think it is. Oh. Uh, I mean, it's... <laughs> Did you want it to be easy? Say it's easy for okay. the listeners. Okay. Say, no, no, yeah. seriously, tell the truth. Thank well, you. no, no, no. I mean, it's, it's... Okay, I mean, it's both easy and hard. I don't want to backtrack too much, but the the thing is, you still gotta you have to prototype it. Like from your earlier story, you came in with an idea on a napkin. Let's say that um, you're gonna have to prototype this. Well, you know, I always I'm a huge believer in prototyping cheap. Mm-hmm. You, you don't need to go spend a ton of money, but you do need your prototype. So whether you go to, you know, down to a CVS or wherever, you buy yourself a toothbrush. You chop it up and you, you know, super glue another toothbrush on the other end of it. And, you know, that's a working prototype. Like that's, that's what you do. One of the best ways to prototype is to find something similar or in that world and chop it up and, and kind of mishmash it together in what you need. Right. And, um, so the thing with the 300 units, the prototyping is easy. The, Hey, I need 300 units. That's more complex because if you start approaching, and we'll deal with manufacturers in, in future episodes, uh, but if you're approaching a manufacturer, a lot of them aren't going to want to build a mold or create or whatever it is for A, no money because molds are expensive, uh, or B, just on the whim that this is something, right? They, they're just not going to want to do that. So you can usually pay more. You like you know if you ordered ten thousand of something and your double ended toothbrush costs fifty cents to make or a dollar to make, you might be able to order three hundred, but it costs four dollars, which is a horrible number. But if you want to get that going, test it with everybody, see if it sells, then that's what you're going to have to do. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So let's say I um, got over that hurdle. Sure. Now um, it building a website based around mm-hmm. this toothbrush. Mm-hmm. 
can anybody do that in this day and age? Anybody can do it. I did it myself. And I, I actually, it was one of those stupid things where I was sitting there and I'm like, I just don't want to deal with this. I don't think I'm good at graphic design, which I'm not great at graphic design, but I'm good enough. And what changed my mind was I sat there and I'm thinking, if I have a graphic designer or a website designer, I'm going to need to find all the pictures that I want. I need to come up with all the things that I wanted to say. I need to then kind of figure out the layout for them and all this stuff. And there's, trust me, I'm a massive fan of website designers and people who make things pretty and whatever. But in my case, I'm like, I'm doing 90% of the work that I was going to pay them to do in my own mind. And I'm like, I'm just going to sit down and I'm going to start. And I swear to you, that first two days, I sat there like a, a zombie and I'm looking at this screen and I'm like, I don't even know what the what's the title and what's the font and what color is it and what do I do? And I just started, there are so many web platforms out there. Uh, and, you know, in, in my case, just to be open with you, I, I'm on uh, Shopify. Okay, me too. And, yeah, you too. And they they offer their own uh, web design tool on there. And it's very, it's very user-friendly. It's mm-hmm. very like, I want a banner, click the banner in there. Mm-hmm. I want this. But to go back to that, I just, I found all the stuff I wanted. I started putting things up there and really quickly it becomes apparent. Like that picture's too big that I want it in circles. I don't want it in squares. I want it to be blue. And then as soon as like something snaps and clicks and then it becomes, I don't want to say it becomes fun. It's still a chore, but it actually became good because I started to see it coming along. And I'm the other thing I've learned is having to wait, having to wait on people. And, you know, you're like, you, you have a good web designer. Oh, send me a picture of the boat. Okay, so you send the picture of the boat. Okay, cool. I'll get to that tomorrow. And then they come back. Oh, no, the boat's too big. Can you send me another picture? And then a week's gone by and you've got a boat on your website <laughs> or whatever it is. If you're doing it yourself and like entrepreneurs and people who are ready to rock are ready to put in the time. So I, I've been up to one in the morning and two in the morning and I just can't stop because I'm starting to get it and it's clicking and I make my whole web page in like two days. And was it exceptional? No, it was okay. But it gave me the 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 initial start to now I can start to look for the things and, and switch out pictures with better pictures. And that's the moral. The moral of the story is anybody can do it and you, you really anybody can do it. Yeah. And yeah. We'll, we'll break down more technical aspects in a later yeah. episode, especially if anybody wants to get in the comments and let us know if mm-hmm. that's what they'd like to hear. But quick shout out to Shopify, yeah. uh, Wix, uh, I believe WordPress, just to name a few. Mm-hmm. There are plug and play uh, systems out there very inexpensive, 30 bucks a month, and you have a fully functioning website. Mm-hmm. And I can personally say they're ready to handle buttloads of traffic mm-hmm. in the event that you go viral or whatever. So stupid easy. Google it, YouTube it. People make entire careers out of teaching you how to use these things for mm-hmm. free. So there's so much opportunity there. Now, quickly, uh, how am I going to, I've got my 300, I've got my website. Mm-hmm. How am I going to market? Oof. I mean, that's a whole, that's definitely a whole podcast, but and, yeah. And let's keep it brief yeah. and let's talk about like what a guerrilla marketing might look like focusing on the friends and family that feel bad for you. Plus <laughs> a few other crazy people willing to pay for anything. Yeah. I mean, today we'll, we'll, we'll go into it more later, but you've got your Instagram, you've got your uh, YouTube, you've got TikTok, and you have Facebook. And I think those are kind of the bigger four and you know there might be a few others, but 
those are all massive, massively good uh, ways to start getting it out there. You've got your friends and family. You, hopefully you have a decent amount of those people, even in a Facebook, let's say a Facebook, you're going to blast them out. Hey, I've come up with this thing. I'd love for you to help, you know, test it. I'd love for you to get it out there and help me market it. And people, for the most part, at least in the in the beginning, uh, will, you know, they, they, wa- they want to make you successful. They'll buy your product. It tapers off pretty quick. Friends and family tapers off pretty quickly. Yeah, it does. It does. And, and I mean, that's it's going to happen to everybody. You're going to think everybody's going to fall in love. You think everyone's going to help you. People do want to help you, but it just doesn't work that way. They have a threshold. They, they do. And, you, you know, you you hit them up once or twice on a Facebook or something like that and say, hey, it's me again. I'm, I'm putting out my double-ended toothbrush. And then you realize nobody reads it. Nobody cares. But it's a very good start to do that. So, I mean, as, as far as your 300 units goes, I would hit the social medias like you've never hit before. And the, you can make things viral these days. People think viral has to be, oh, this person fell off a cliff and, and a pterodactyl came down and ate him. Charlie bit my finger type. Charlie of, bit my finger. Those days are over, right? They are. They, I mean, they, they probably still exist. They have their place. But for, for us who are like products creators... Viral can be something as silly as a good demonstration video that like solves a problem and shows you how to do it. And you're like, oh man, I need that. Or, uh, you know, it, you can always go funny too. But what I think we've both learned is that you go into this thinking, I want to be so funny. And people, people like funny for products. People don't like stupid funny for products. Like, they're, yeah, they're not looking to uh, quick tie down anchors to get a belly aching laugh. There you go. That's where they go to watch Fail Army Fails of the Week. Sure, and and that's the big thing. But you know, to to make it to dumb it down and to make it quick, friends and family are a great first start. They're they're going to drop off pretty quick, and what they'll at least do is you know hopefully they can get some sales for you, and they can also start the you know this is the 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 classic thing is I need uh, reviews. Right. And don't feel, get as many dang reviews as you can from everybody and get them from as, as far away from you as you can. Because these algorithms, if you get 30, I mean, 30 is actually a very a large amount of reviews. Let's say for a beginning product, five, let's say five reviews. You know, if it's mom, dad, brother, and friend, and they're all within a 20 mile radius, the world knows that the world of the internet knows that. So get somebody, you know, a buddy in New York and somebody in Georgia and some, whatever it may be, even to the point of maybe send it to somebody and pay for, for their, you know, honest review. There are a lot of people out there and you can find for any of the products we have for you, for me, there'll be somebody who'll need to use that. Like there's no end of trailer people. There are no end of deck people out there. You can do a little paid promotion. It's not a thousand dollars, you know, some, some of these things I've paid, like a hundred bucks for a 24 hour window of, of paid promotion on somebody who had over a million followers at the time. Mm-hmm. It was the best hundred dollars I ever spent. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Yeah. Well, great. So we're, let's get back on key. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's all awesome yeah. stuff. And um, it, it's a lot of stuff we're going to tap into, as you mentioned in later episodes and, uh, and one that yep. you touched on, I call it FITI, F-I-T-Y, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Uh, Marcus and I have kind of, uh, broke into this formula of rapidly filming and rapidly posting Mm -hmm. uh, high-volume view videos. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a pretty cool system, and we would love to totally divulge that uh, in a later episode. And it just, that's kind of 
the things you learn with persistence. We didn't know that going into this, that we could tap into all of our sales through mm-hmm. FITY. Uh, so yeah, I can't wait to jump into that. So let's say now we've sold our 300 units mm-hmm. and we sold them at 10 bucks a piece. So add a zero, three, we got 3000 bucks in our okay. pocket. And we're feeling pretty good because 3000 bucks is nothing to sneeze at. And now maybe you're feeling a little bit more confident in your product, even if it is as stupid as a double-ended toothbrush. Now you can say to investor, look, buddy, let, let's add another zero on that. Let's say okay. we sold 300 at um, $100 a piece, whatever this product Spent is. Spent so We got three, uh, we have $30,000 okay. now. And we did it in a sh- pretty short amount of time, mm-hmm. a month, month and a half. Mm-hmm. And we come back to, I come back to investor and let's just role play that. Hey, mm-hmm. Marcus, I, I totally get what you were saying now mm-hmm. in the beginning. I respect your position on 4%. Uh, I actually went and did some work myself. Mm-hmm. I know we haven't talked in six months, but this is what I've been up to. And hey, man, uh, the, the the product is made now. And I have some sales uh, data I want to show you. Mm-hmm. And if we can extrapolate these numbers, you know, I'm no mathematician, but we could essentially do several hundred thousand dollars the first year in sales. And I have a proven method to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm just a little cash poor. And I think if we lower our cost by ordering 10,000 pieces instead mm-hmm. of 3,000, uh, our margins are looking good. So at this point, I don't think I want to license it to you, Marcus. I think I want to sell you a portion of the company and you influx me with some cash. Okay. Well, uh, I, I that scenario is does absolutely exist. Um, I, I don't think it, you approaching someone is typically, I I feel like if you have to go to people and trust me, I'm not, I'm not knocking hustling to find those deals, but typically the people who are going to say, Hey, I'd like to, um, you know, invest in a portion of your company. Those people find you when you're successful enough to be found, if that makes sense. So uh, usually those people have other products as well. I think they understand the distribution and they have the access to distribution and they'll be like, oh, I saw your TikToks. I see you have a great media or, or you know, you're fitty and uh, you have a great media presence. Um, what do you think about this? This is what we can offer you. We want 20% of your company. We're willing to pay this much money, you know, whatever it may be. The, the thing, you, which is great. And that could absolutely be thing if you get approached with that or if you approach somebody that you want to make sure you vet those people very well because when you start rolling everybody we said this earlier everybody comes out of the woodwork and you'll be like oh we're distributors and we can get you this you know to a billion places and you're like mm, I, I doubt those are the numbers or whatever but um yeah i mean those those deals can exist i think those people find you more than you find those type of people and you have to decide what it's worth even if they influxed into your company X amount of cash, that doesn't automatically mean that you're just going to have so much cash that you can just go buy all this stuff. You still may need to look for outside investors. Um, you know, who do you want to trust at that point and, and where are you going to get this money and all that stuff? So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, you're totally right. So it's, it's, look, it's never that simple. The steps are simple. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot of them mm-hmm. and it's doing a lot of them again and again and again. It's persistence. It You're going to hear that word a lot on this podcast. So the theme of this podcast, to license or to sell, 
We started in the licensing scenario. You saw how that went. Now we're on to the selling scenario. And now you kind of see where you start to say, all right, I, I, I have to sell this. If I ever want to get any amount of money out of this, I have to sell it. it I'm not going to prove this concept mm-hmm. until it's in hundreds, thousands of hands. That's when I may have a valuation of, of, of $100,000. And now I can go say, hey, you want to buy uh, 20% of my company mm-hmm. at, uh, at $20,000. So I think what a lot of people will discover when they start selling is, hey, I kind of, I kind of, maybe I have a knack for this mm-hmm. and maybe this is the way to go. And maybe rather than selling out or licensing out when this is a $5,000 idea, yeah. maybe I just push this for mm-hmm. another six months and then it turns into another year. And maybe you know, the position I found myself in is three years into torque strap. I'm, I'm loving pushing it and I'm mm-hmm. watching that valuation go up, up and up. There was times when I would have uh, sold my soul to the devil for $20,000. And now uh, uh, it's not uncommon to have an offer for $200,000 for 20% of the company. So Selling is really the pathway to those big influxes of cash. And we all want to sit back and collect the checks, as we said at the beginning. Um, But you got to look at how much skin you have in the game. I I want to touch on two things that that you just ignited there. One is, um, you know, that once you start getting into it, I want people to be realistic that, you know, in the beginning... Uh, when it's it's still your secondary means of income, let's say you're doing okay, right? You're starting to make some little sales, but you have a normal job or you're doing whatever you're doing. You know, people will ask about fulfillment. Fulfillment's going to be another episode. But, um, you know, if you're having to send something out every day, like let's say you have to send one thing or, or I got five people today who bought my toothbrush you're going to have to go down to USPS or get that down. Just remember that there's there's all sorts of weird little secondary time suckers and things that you have to be prepared for. You know, you're going to have to get your your own shipping, um, your own packaging. You're going to have to get you know understand that system. And and Shopify, like Shopify, does a great job of allowing you to print your labels and send it. And they, I mean, a lot of those bigger ones even have connections to a UPS, a USPS, or a FedEx or whatever it may be. But don't don't think that you know like if you can get onto Amazon and do like FBA fulfilled by Amazon which takes most of the the headache if you will out of you having to deal with it they take a pretty good cut of that you can find a good little local oftentimes a good little local fulfillment person who will take or, or charge you less than that would will take away all the having to go day to day selling stuff give you back your time and what you realize is you're like, oh, I don't want to give $3 up uh, for this. It's nothing. In the scheme of things, just start to start to wrap your mind around not nitpicking every little thing because you'll go nowhere with that. Yes. Yeah. 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 A lot of people, uh, do, you know, they, they want to think, how much more money would I make if I did everything? Right. If I picked and packed myself? If mm. I built these straps myself? The answer is none. No more money. Right. You will make less, A much lot less. less. You, you will... It's the difference between existing and not existing. Yeah. So get those thoughts out of your head. Um, mm-hmm. Do what you do best. Sub the rest mm-hmm. for sure. So to license or to sell, can you uh, can you wrap up your thoughts on today's episode? What takeaways you want the audience to have? Sure. I, I've out of all the people that I know who are successful inventors, 
they all either started thinking I want to license or they were lukewarm about uh, starting their own company. I'm not a businessman. I don't think I can do it. Uh, everybody passed on the licensing idea and every all five people that I know, including myself and yourself, chose to run a business. And do you have all the answers? No. Is it is it as hard as you think it is? It's not. And there are so many tools out there, whether it's website builders and it's Shopify who deals with payment processing and it's all that stuff. And you can learn all that. So my two cents are if if you really want this to go somewhere and you want to have command over it and you know you the the sky's the limit when you're in charge of it. And and I'm a big fan of of running the business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I think that's awesome advice. And I think that it's pretty much gonna wrap up today's episode. I agree with everything you just touched on. And I want to remind people it is attainable. If you like what you heard, be sure and go back to episode one and take this as an encyclopedia, as you said earlier. Uh, This is going to give you the steps and the know-how and the knowledge to execute on an idea and bring it to reality and start making money because that's what this is all about, right? Yeah, absolutely. Listen, I want to thank you guys again for joining us. Don't forget to like, subscribe, uh, follow the podcast on whatever platform you may be listening on. And hey, keep on thinking because the ideas are out there. Thanks a lot, guys. And we'll see you on the next one.